Teacher Vet is a podcast about topics in veterinary medicine. Though we strive to provide research-based information, it is not intended to be used as medical advice. So if Fido's feeling sick, be sure to take him to your vet. Trust us, they know what they are doing. Hi, I'm Jacob Vockler, and I'm the teacher. Hi, I'm Amanda Vockler, and I'm the vet. And you're listening to Teacher Teacher Vet. Vet. Well, welcome to part two of our rabies series or mini series. Uh, is it technically a series at two? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> we can make way. it whatever we want. It's yeah. our podcast. Yeah, it's part two. So part two of our uh, rabies uh, episode. And uh, last time we talked about all of the history of rabies, the crazy history, the ridiculous <laughs> diagnosis, the concepts and ideas, the treatments, re- the treatments, the really weird treatments. Um, I still have a mouse tail on me at all times. Uh, just, just to make sure. That, yeah, well, I haven't learned about the clinical aspects of it yet, so I'm just assuming that it's going to keep me safe. But uh, <laughs> if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, go back one episode, check that one out. That one's really funny. Uh, we got a lot of actually really cool feedback on that one. Some people really enjoyed it. So go ahead and listen to that. We did all of the history for the rabies in the last time, last time, and well, um, not all of it. Almost all of the history. We did. I'm going to flip it around and I'm going to yeah. share some of the history. We did a lot of like the crazy history. You're going to do a little bit more of the clinical stuff today. Yep. So you're going to talk a little bit of clinical history and then um, uh, you're going to talk about kind of what it looks like in your clinic today to a certain degree, right? Yeah. Awesome. So, luckily not in my clinic. <laughs> l- luckily not in your clinic. Yeah. But it's not really a thing you see very much, but uh, either way, kind of the clinical, uh, what I would call the nerdy side of things. Um, but uh, we'll go ahead and we'll hand it over to you. What do you got? We've, we've got a dog dreaming. <laughs> I don't know if anybody heard that. If it was caught, sorry, our dog is laying here dreaming. <laughs> so as I believe we mentioned last time that rabies is a virus um, and it's part of the Lissa virus family. Any mammal can be affected by rabies virus and it's essentially contact with the saliva of a positive animal in order to get it. So there have been simple cases of even um, there's a lady I believe in Thailand that was just licked by a puppy, flew back to the U.S., and contracted rabies. What? So contact with the saliva. So it could be yeah. even like, you know, maybe she had an open sore or something on her hand and was licked and then contracted rabies. It also, majority of the time, it's from a bite. Yeah. Um, and there is, luckily in the U.S., we don't see very many cases of it. But worldwide, there's over about 60,000 cases per year. And so that's why, you know, we even talked about World Rabies Day. It's kind of a bigger push for, you know, other countries. I mean... First world countries are pretty good shape, but outside of that, it's still a problem. mm -hmm, There's vaccine programs and the availability for domestic animals, um, which are kind of the sentinels for a lot of these diseases. They're the first ones to get it. And then that's our contact with then humans, um, that they are first contracting the disease from a wild animal. And then if they then bite us, then that's when humans get it. And more commonly it is from dogs. Dogs are the number one, um, incident mm-hmm. of, of transmitting rabies to humans. Um, but cats are pretty close second to, to that. Um, and then after that, then it bats and all all the other possibilities, See, essentially. I would, have, I would have thought bats number two, because like, it's kind of a 
thing. I mean, I get, you know, you don't really hear. <laughs> Bats are a thing. <laughs> I'm not very good with words. Uh, I feel like whenever, like, you think rabies, in my head anyway, I always think, like, rabid dogs and, like, bats are a thing yeah. that they talk about. I don't really hear a lot about cats and rabies, so that's interesting. Yeah. So it's possible. And, like, we, I think we mentioned it on the last episode that there was a cat yeah. that just tested positive. Yeah, we did. Yep. For it. So, um, there, you know, it's out there. So that's just kind of getting that off to the side, essentially. The really interesting part about rabies that I find, and this is what I'm involved with in my almost every day, if not once a week or monthly, is talking about, obviously, the rabies vaccine. That's mm -hmm. a daily thing. Yeah, prevention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also um, health certificates for pets traveling to other countries. And why that's important is because they are, there are islands specifically mm -hmm. that are considered rabies free. And that's mainly Australia and Hawaii are the big ones that are really hard and a pain to get domestic animals shipped there. They're up on their high horse, right? Rabies free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Australia is like crazy, crazy when you send stuff into Australia. Oh my That's, gosh. I lived in Austria for mm -hmm. a little bit uh, and I accidentally had some stuff shipped to Australia because people don't know how to read. And it was post, stuff. Or, it wasn't offices. a, yeah, a it wasn't like a animal. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a living animal. It was just like a box full of stuff and they take it apart and check out everything because of the fact that it's an island. I get it. It's to protect themselves but yeah, they definitely watch everything that comes in and out of their border for sure yep another big country that is rabies free also an island is new zealand and i should kind of backpedal and say so australia technically is free of terrestrial rabies mm -hmm. um but non-terrestrial rabies, a.k.a. bats, okay. they do see it there. I'm glad you clarified, because I had no idea what you were talking about <laughs> Extra there. Extra-terrestrial. Yeah, I was like, they're free of alien rabies? <laughs> I, aren't we all free of alien rabies? <laughs> Maybe that's where it came from. <laughs> Whoa. That's what started it. Mind blown. Conspiracy theory. I didn't find that anywhere in my research. <laughs> alien nope. rabies. That's a new thing. Okay. Nope. So anything, so like I said, any mammal can transmit it but it is more common once it's within a species it is more common for it to then kind of stick within that um, because generally raccoons bite raccoons bite raccoons unless it's a rabid one that then comes and bites a human or a yeah. dog or something like that um, but what is kind of not kind of I think it's a really cool um, <laughs> within the virus will mutate and so every time it bites a raccoon, then that virus becomes better at infecting raccoons. Oh. And so then it's almost kind of harder for it to jump species. So that's why with bats in Australia, that's why it's mainly bats in, involved with oh, that. Okay. That's why there's not other terrestrial yeah species that they are seeing that has rabies because oh. it's kind of harder for it to jump species so, it still is possible but the virus is just kind of mutated where it's easier for it to infect them so i could really just save all of us a ton of time on this podcast and we can just simply say um just don't get bit by anything and in 20 years from now it'll just evolve itself so it can't get to human done right <laughs> I wish it was that easy. It doesn't but work it's that way. Still, no. 
Because <laughs> right, obviously it's been around for 20 years and the vaccine programs that I will talk about have been around for longer than 20 years, but we're still yeah. seeing rabies. Yeah, but 20 years yeah. on top of 20 years of evolution, <laughs> like, just, or 20, you're just, two, you're two, just, two, you're just doing your thing years. and throwing out... <laughs> Doing my I'm gonna thing. throw out a number. Just gonna throw out some <laughs> randomness. This is pretty much the way I run my part of the podcast. There's a little bit of research, but then most of it's just kind of crazy stuff made up off the top of my head. <laughs> You're like, I have an idea, which you giggle about a little bit and you think isn't funny. But you know, I have fans. They <laughs> they contact me. They say I'm funny. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. And moving on. <laughs> So the features or symptoms that we see with rabies, which majority of people are familiar with, um, is the more what we call the rabid form or the furious form. Now, there's actually two forms of rabid and furious. Nope. Oh. So that's the same. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that was a terrible, terrible way to, to give such epic information. No. <laughs> there's there's, there's rabid and two. furious, and there are two. Oh, wait. I just said them. <laughs> well, no. Anyway. <laughs> rabid, furious, or one. one. And what's the other one? The other one is dumb. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, teacher, I can't answer these questions on the test. Why? I got the dumb rabies. <laughs> it's the dumb form. The dumb form of rabies. Is what it's called. Oh, my gosh. This just answered a lot of questions about a lot of students I've worked with. <laughs> they, all have, oh. <laughs> they all have rabies. They got the dumb rabies. <laughs> now, Jake, we live in America and we live in Utah where there's not very many cases, luckily, of rabies. Well, so I've run into every you would case have of a, the dumb rabies, I can guarantee you'd, it. You'd have a phenomenon in, in your little cluster of your high school. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so tell me more about the furious and the dumb rabies. So it's kind of as it sounds, right? What what would you expect an animal to look like if it had furious rabies? Um, like you after I don't put the toilet seat down. No, it's when you don't straighten the towels. Right? Oh, that okay, that's true. <laughs> and that too. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So anger, uh, foaming at the mouth, uh, just like inconsolable kind of frustration, right? I yeah. Mean, I can't think of really good ways to put it, yeah. but that's. So, That's what I would guess. What I think of like anger in an animal yeah. is just this fur furious. Just furious. Yeah. 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 So that's more common. So they're more restless, agitated, aggressive, nervous. Um, they will become really extremely dangerous as an animal, essentially, because they lose their fear of humans. So that's when... I see people on like videos and stuff and then they're like approaching a raccoon and it's like, oh, it's letting me come up to it. It's like, it could have rabies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay away. Yeah. <laughs> and same then with the, the, along with that, like you said, the foaming of the mouth and everything like that, um, the hypersalivation, but they also lose the ability to swallow Oh, so that's kind of why they have like... Yeah, so oh, okay. so that's why they have that. And that's also why people termed it as hydrophobia. So dogs literally couldn't swallow the water 
but they just said, oh, that means they're afraid of water. Oh, okay. But it, they just, their nerves aren't working where they can't physically swallow. So my new working theory on rabies is that they're really not really angry, but if they can't swallow, that means they can't eat. And if they're hungry all the time, <laughs> then of course they're going to be pissed. They're just hangry. <laughs> yeah. So this is how I would act if I wasn't able to eat. Way more than that. Like okay. Times <laughs> 100. <laughs> not a pleasant experience, I would, I would, I'm sure. I would be I'm sure. sure. So, and then the other form, like I said, the dumb form, it's essentially the paralytic form. They're not really responsive and just essentially paralyzed. But what can can happen is that usually it kind of starts with the dumb form and then it will progress to the, free, the furious form. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of typically what, what we can see. But the harder part is if an animal, like a domestic animal, usually presents with the dumb form of rabies, that's when a lot of people are more likely to be exposed, right? Because you're less likely, especially as a medical person or, you know, anything like that, even wildlife rangers and stuff like that, it's easier to identify, okay, Yep. That thing's mad. That thing is mad and it's probably rabid and it has rabies. Yeah. But if it's the dumb form, so even like for an example, a vet that I used to work with when I worked in Wyoming, um, when he was at Colorado State University for veterinary school, there was a whole class of veterinary students. I don't, you know, I can't quote of how many were exposed to a cow that actually had rabies. Um, and they thought it was choking on something. So everybody was putting their arm oh, no. down this cow's throat, um, trying to see, you know, if it was choking on something. Well, then come to find out it had, it rabies. had rabies. And so literally everybody that put their hand down this cow's throat had to have the uh, prophylaxis treatment for rabies because yeah. they were exposed This is why they make you do the rabies vaccine before vet school even starts, right? Yeah. So, and that's why, yeah, as as professionals that are, no, that's (laughs) professionals that are at a higher risk of being exposed. Not only that, you know, an aggressive animal sometimes, I mean, you can't control them and you can get bitten. Even a non-rabbit animal, you know, vets and vet techs and people that work in research and everything like that can can get bit it's gonna happen yeah it's kind of the line of work that we're in where it's a risk it's kind of the and risk so, you take a little bit yeah and so um that's again you know a, one that's kind of more paralyzed and different things like that it can kind of mimic some different neurologic diseases and stuff so that's why it was ingrained at least in my mind all the time like you have a neurologic animal you need to be thinking about rabies and you need to be thinking about Okay, were they vaccinated? Are they up to date? All those things to try and keep you safe, keep your staff safe, all the above. Yeah, and that's a pretty good thing because, like, if you if you're not constantly thinking about that, if you how often do you see kind of a lethargic, non or semi responsive animal for all kinds of other reasons? Yep. Right, you'll see that a handful Every of day. times, yeah, <laughs> in a week, yeah. and and then you'll. If you're not constantly reminding yourself of that, you're definitely putting yourself at risk. So mm-hmm. you got to really be cautious. Mm-hmm. I had genuinely no idea that this was a thing. So that's that's quite intriguing. So there you go. So even like 
you see a bat that is laying on the ground and not very responsive, don't go up and touch it. You need to contact the appropriate authorities, contact animal control, um, wildlife people, all the above, because seriously, they can be exposed. Um, we even have a friend that works for the division of natural resources for Utah. And he (laughs) (laughs) texted us after our last episode and he's like, Hey, I, I just had to go through a (laughs) prophylaxis for rabies too. So um, that's probably for a lot of other reasons too. He's (laughs) 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 just kidding. But, but, I mean, yeah. it happens all the time. It's part of that field. And why then you have to, the, the minute you think you've been exposed to it, you need to go through the prophylactic treatment because rabies is fatal. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of important yeah. to, to jump on it. And it's just like that lady that um, was on vacation in Thailand and sitting there hanging out with a puppy and then all of a sudden comes back home and contracts rabies and dies. So it's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Slightly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, just to close things up, just don't go to Thailand and get yourself licked by a puppy and all is well. Right. 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 (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, as far as that goes to the, the big thing with rabies and I can go on and on about this, but so there's a big rabies compendium, Um, that goes through different protocols as far as what to do post-bite for an animal. So the biggest thing is, so if they have been vaccinated, what type of quarantine needs to be followed, or if they haven't been vaccinated, or if, say, your dog was attacked by a rabid animal, how long do they need to be quarantined? And what that is is essentially what is the incubation period of this virus and how long is it going to kind of sit under in the, the quiet shadows and fester until all of a sudden they're shedding the virus and then they're showing clinical signs. And usually within them showing clinical signs, it's usually within two or three days that then the animal will die. Um, because it progresses even worse to seizures, full coma, and then essentially lung paralysis where they can't breathe and then they pass on. So mm. it's not a pleasant death at all. No. Um, so if it's suspected, the most humane treatment for an animal is euthanasia. The only way to uh, test for rabies is submitting brain tissue. This is the craziest thing. <laughs> So there's no antemortem or, you know, pre-death test that so can be you, done. So if you have a suspicion that an animal has rabies, there's no way to actually physically test clinically to prove, while yes, it alive. has rabies while it's alive. No. You have to send in brain tissue after it dies. Yes. Crazy. And they're looking for a specific thing called a negri body within the the brain tissue and if that's there then yep it's rabies so let's just recreate a moment here um oh i'm sorry mrs jones that fluffy just died i think he had rabies i'm gonna need to cut open his brain yeah (laughs) it's the worst conversation (laughs) people don't know this 
This is Some, I, can, yeah. I know I'm not the only one who, who oh, didn't know. know that before I heard it. Like that, yeah. that's got to be a shocker for them. It is, and it's a, a terrible conversation to ever have to have with someone, and one that I had hoped, even in my time as a vet, that I wouldn't have to. Yeah. But unfortunately, I have. It's not very common. I've only done it once. Yeah, but still. luckily in our area, but still, it now, was terrible. I don't know how intense we want to get into this, but uh, it's not just cutting. I mean, you have to send in the whole head, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's more than just like finding a way to get a piece of brain matter. I mean, you just send the whole thing in. Yeah. Oh, and it can't be frozen or anything. It has to be sent into then the state lab. Wow. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well. So there you go. Now you know. To, now how to do you... end on a good note. <laughs> Never. And it's like- the, so even the same for humans, there's not technically a test to know if yeah. they have it or not. Unfortunately, so you just cut off their head and send it into the state lab. Yeah. And then just check. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my put gosh. Put them down. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, to put you down and, and test for it. <laughs> so, but then, you know, going along with that, then there's the treatment um, for it. That, that has been shown to, to help. Yeah, if you suspect that, that they have it, you can, can just treat, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, humans. Humans, yeah. yeah. What about what about There's, animals? So animals, once they're showing clinical signs, no. Nope. It's done. Yeah. Wow. wow. Sometimes if they've been exposed then to a rabid animal, then we give them the rabies vaccine if they're not current or sometimes even still do it. Um, and then a very long quarantine time to make sure that they don't have it. And if they start showing signs, then just then, euthanization. Sorry. Bye bye, Fluffy. Yeah, it's Yikes. all it's all over. So, if anybody knows uh, Cujo or Old Yeller, all those things, Old Yeller that ripped my heart out when I was a kid. So that's you've never seen it. I've never seen Old oh Yeller. Oh my gosh, I don't think I could watch it again. No. <laughs> We gotta play. I'm like, gonna have to make you watch it by yourself. <laughs> I can't do it. We'll have to live. We'll have to like live stream a video of us watching it together with like a ten dollar bet. Right, the first person to cry has to pay the other one ten bucks. <laughs> uh, I'll bet you. I you just even... pay me ten bucks now, and it could just be. We just don't have to do it. <laughs> you already know that I'm gonna do it first. I, I've uh, yeah, I've never seen it, but. So okay, like I said, for humans, there's no clinical proven test before an antemortem test. There are some ones that they're saying now that viral detection um, through skin biopsy um, in the nerves um, by um, immunofluorescence assay. That's what it's called, IFA. Um, Um, This is a family-friendly show. I'd prefer you not to drop that last (laughs) word again. IFA. (laughs) Okay, that'll work. (laughs) Um, it's the most likely uh, test to to sometimes show a positive result. Those were the least convincing words I have ever heard about anything <laughs> medical. The most likely, most likely to give a what? A positive. <laughs> a positive, maybe, test. kind of, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Uh, now yeah, there's I mean, other. That's right. not very reliable. <laughs> there are other things too that um. Demonstrating, a, so what's called a rabies titer is meaning that the antibodies for rabies itself um, needs to be at a certain level to show that okay, an animal is vaccinated and protected against rabies. 
A lot of times, the only time that I do rabies titers are for the pets that are going to be traveling to these rabies-free areas. Even though they have the vaccine, they then still want to be 100% sure that they're protected. Yeah, so you but, can show proof that you gave the vaccine, but now you need to show proof that the that, that the level their, inside of them yeah, is still high immunity, enough to prevent, protect mm-hmm, themselves. Got it. Their immunity is high and, and adequate. See, I'm just here for the average Joe to help clarify. <laughs> yep. I think we got that one. We're solid. We're good. Yep. Okay, keep going. So, but the biggest thing all the time I have people say, well, can't I just use that then as proof of vaccination? No, you cannot. That does not still, by state law, the rabies vaccine protocol is either depending on what type of vaccine you have, a yearly vaccine or a tri annual vaccine i think that's how triannual right every three years <laughs> sure let's call it that i don't know we'll take it because <laughs> it's by no i don't know you're the one that gives it <laughs> every three years there you go that works we're just gonna we're just gonna jump to that um but that's otherwise then if your pet were to bite an animal, you know, someone else or a human. Try annually, but uh, once every three years. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Side note: Grammar Nazis coming out, right? <laughs> we need. No, to know. I just click Googled it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So essentially, in in determining if an animal is vaccinated or not, that does not stand up against then for the state or anything that your animal is vaccinated, that kind of goes out the window. Um, So with all the big movements of vaccine, anti-vaccine and all that stuff, there have been issues of then an animal not being vaccinated and they're showing signs or they went and bit all the neighbor kids. And so, you know, by the county, it's usually by the county what's determined for quarantine and then also what needs to be done with that animal. So it's just easier. Just keep them up to date on their rabies vaccine. <laughs> makes it easier. makes it easier for me to, when a, you know, an old, old cat ends up biting someone and then needs to be put down before their quarantine is over, then I don't need to have that conversation <laughs> with somebody of how we test for it. Um, so side note with that. Um, as far as protocol for post-exposure, like I said, um, it depends for humans on if they've had the rabies vaccine or not. So you and I, our treatment would be very different um, for the both of us. Yeah, because I've never You had would it. have to have a lot more shots and vaccines than yeah. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Is it worth it for the average Joe to get one, though? No. I mean, I'm never Mainly because of, yeah, you're... You're not very likely to be exposed to it, and it's super expensive, um, especially if you're sure. I'm remembering that, yeah, Mm because I remember we were super poor in vet school, and you had to get it, and we were like, I don't Uh, think we can afford this. It was crazy. Luckily, our insurance covered it. But it was like a fight a little bit. We had to fight for it, and it's like, I'm high risk for this, and I, I need it, and that's in the long run better than, you know, paying for it again. Um, and just being safer and protected that way. Um, so yeah, average dough, not necessary. 
but those that are high risk, yes, need to be really considered um, to be having the rabies vaccine um, as a preventative. So speaking on the vaccine, this is where I wanted to share the history part of it because this is where my geeky history cool part comes out. Yeah, this is where my so interest in the in the history and your uh and your geeky doctor stuff. Part. Yeah, science. Yeah. So I I, I voluntarily Mesh. pushed this to you. I found a really cool article and I just sent it to you and said, you read this and do this. <laughs> but you also <laughs> have some like, other hey, cool this stuff. Is cool. Yeah. So well, anyway. But it is something that a lot of times in any science class or biology classes, it's something that's brought up and, and talked about. Um, a scientist that some might know by is Louis Pasteur, kind of a big deal in the science community. Um, it kind of all starts with him. He's kind of the first that one that observed um, how to make something less virulent or less severe in its effects. Um, so virulent meaning like the level of potency or something potency like that, or, or how yeah how effective it, it is, is or effects excuse me Got how it. many side effects it can have okay cool not necessarily a virus because what he started with was a uh, chicken cholera um and that was a, a bacteria um but this is how kind of the first vaccines came about so he um essentially injected the chickens with a the cultures, these older cultures that had been sitting for a while. And when he returned from vacation a month later, and this was in 1879, by the way, he took a month long vacation, apparently. <laughs> um, when he came back, the um, these chickens then showed a lot less clinical signs. They were very mild and they recovered and they survived the disease. And so he was intrigued they were healthy again and fully 100% back to normal he then injected them with the fresh bacteria the more virulent bacteria and the check that these chickens did not become ill so he re he was able to reason that the factor that made the bacteria less deadly was the exposure to oxygen so um that was the then the discovery of the cholera, chicken cholera vaccine by Louis Pasteur. And that just revolutionized infectious disease and vaccines and everything as we know it today, which is crazy and crazy that he was able to just be like, huh, well, let me see. Now let me give you it again and see if you die <laughs> or not. Just kind of stumbled um, upon it. Yeah. So how that works is then giving this animal, the chicken, the bacteria that was weakened, allowed their immune system to recognize that as foreign and then build up antibodies against it and a memory against this um, bacteria. And so then when he re-injected it, they were able to then fight it off 100% and not, not get sick and not die. So back then, um, in 1885... He was studying rabies. Um, Pasteur um, started his her, his first human vaccine, um, and he started that vaccine by attenuating or essentially decreasing the virulence in rabbits, 
and then he harvested it from their spinal cords. Um, rabies was a very different obstacle for Pasteur because it wasn't a bacteria. This was a virus. The microorganism uh, could not really be specifically identified by him. He couldn't develop that in vitro in the lab. Um, so that was kind of the difference with the bacteria where he could grow it in a culture in a little Petri dish. But with the rabies virus, he couldn't. He had to get it from a live animal. Um, you know, unfortunately. So that essentially kind of jumps back to my point in the beginning that the passage of the virus through multiple different species makes it become more adapted or mutated to infect that species and decreasing the virulence or the effects on the original host. And so when he put it through rabbits... He made the virus less dangerous to human hosts. And, and it gives the body then enough information to recognize the antigen, that's the, the infectious agent, essentially, to make then the antibodies and protect us against that. So they started a vaccine program um, and successfully was able to essentially eradicate rabies in domestic dogs. Um, and then it wasn't until he was essentially pushed in a corner that uh, Louis Pasteur gave a treatment. He, he finally agreed to give treatment to a little boy that was severely attacked by the pack of rabid animals. And the boy survived. Yeah, and he got like crazy amounts of recognition for this right mm -hmm. like it was like it was a huge, huge. deal yeah. mm -hmm. and he became an international hero yeah it was i mean it's a huge deal it's the first time in history that it's mm -hmm. actually ever been able to be legitimately treated right yeah. and and so yeah without having to do some crazy plenty the elder strategies that clearly yeah. didn't work there's right? mouse yeah. tail menstrual blood yeah. no uh, no let's do a vaccine S science, so now science yeah. works <laughs> so nowadays the vaccine we have recognized the virus and can develop vaccines, not necessarily using rabbits and all of that. But the it's, I mean, it's huge um, to think that that then eradicated rabies. And like we think of the U.S. today, the rabies vaccine program for dogs was really initiated in the 1950s. And since then, the cases of Human rabies, especially, and dog rabies has significantly decreased. Um, we do, you know, do still see it then in bats and and other mammal species. Um, but there are vaccine programs for wildlife as well. This is something I learned about in school that I didn't know before. Um, but these, the way, I'm like, how in the world are you going to vaccine vaccinate? all these raccoons and stuff like that. But it's literally an, uh, by mouth an oral vaccine that they've got in little bait things and they just, just throw a throw bunch of treats out, out mm -hmm. into the wild. Throw them out in the wild. <laughs> and you'll see, you know, sometimes on the East Coast and even a few of my classmates were from the East Coast, they're like, yeah, I ran into those hiking. You'd see the, the big block of it and it says, do not, you know, touch or mess with this yeah. is a rabies vaccine not for human conception kind of a deal <laughs> and so. that's kind of uh tell me if i'm wrong 
Is that kind of going along with the idea of like herd immunity to a certain degree? Mm -hmm. Like if you can impact a certain percentage of the population of raccoons, essentially you can get rid of it as a whole. Like they're protected as a whole. I am so proud of you. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been more proud of you. This is what you, I've I've learned, (laughs) I genuinely learned that through vet school. When you were in vet school, I remember learning about that kind of thing. Or you were telling me all about it. And so, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the idea. There's no way possible that you can get all of them no but by getting a certain percentage you Mm -hmm. pretty much can take care of the whole crew Mm -hmm. so that's cool so and then side note the biggest one that's harder to then control is there's no vaccine program out there for bats Hmm. because it's kind of kind of hard to do that one yeah Mm -hmm. and the the biggest thing another side note that i want to bring up about bats that i that i haven't yet is there's the bat in the bedroom policy. The biggest thing, there there have been people that have contracted rabies without any known bite mm-hmm. um, or known source of a bite or contamination. And what then, you know, experts and professionals have concluded that it's probably a, a bite from a bat. Bats, you can't feel necessarily a bite. You sometimes won't even see a wound from a bite. Their mouths are super teeny tiny and their teeth are really tiny. So that's why they say if you wake up and you find a bat. If you find a bat in your bedroom, you need to be uh, go through rabies prophylaxis treatment because no question, because there's a possibility. Um, If you can, then obviously keep that bat contained. But don't catch it yourself. <laughs> There's, there are so many office episodes or so office references. <laughs> I know, right? If if you were any part of anything of our social media, you've noticed we our first episode of this we we mentioned. We love the office. We love the office. It's so funny. It's so good. I'm just thinking of like if we find a bat in our room, I'll actually catch it, and I would be the one. That accidentally puts the bag over your head with the bat inside. And, and then, like, smack it. And then we would do a fun run to try and raise money to get you treated for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the office is so good. Anyway. One in three people die. Tangent. No. Tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's why it's a big deal. And I have even seen posts on on social media of people like, Hey, I found a bat in my house. And then I let it out the window. And it was no. like... <laughs> Have you talked to your Have you talked to your doctor <laughs> yeah, about do that? that what do you need to? Yeah, so it's you know it's silly, but it it, it is a big deal. Um, and all these people then I ruin all the funny videos online and everything like that because now I'm like, no, that's not funny. That <laughs> that's bad. That raccoon probably has rabies. That's why it's letting you come up to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just different things like that. So. Hopefully, again, had more fun and learned some interesting facts, fun facts about rabies. Fun fact. Rabies fun facts. Yeah. And so with that, we'll just kind of close up for the day. So uh, remember, you can always find us on Instagram at Teacher Vet Podcast. We have a Facebook page. Just search Teacher Vet Podcast and you'll find us there. If you like what you hear, you could tell a friend and spread the word because I'll tell you what, word of mouth is huge. Spread it like rabies. Spread it. (laughs) Hashtag spread it like rabies. That's happening. Uh, I want that to be a shirt now. That's awesome. We have a lot of topic ideas, but we want to be sure we are talking about topics you are interested in. If you have any topic requests or thoughts, hit us up at teachervetpodcast at gmail.com. 
and um, stay tuned because uh, we're currently working on some stuff to kind of get the word out. I was just thinking this is unscripted, but uh, the whole like spread it like rabies thing. Um, stay tuned because we're going to be talking about some really cool ways for you to maybe potentially get a little bit of uh, teacher vet swag, maybe to a certain degree. Hashtag swag. Um, And uh, for those of you that are willing to share some cool stuff, we have a cool idea going around that we're working on and you can get some teacher vet stuff. So keep your eye out for that. But uh, so with that said, again, uh, we hope you had fun and uh, we'll talk to you next time.